1: you're listening to sports econ 101 the show where we discuss sports topics from a business perspective i'm your host edward brown and my co-host bruce mcgowan is not here today but we have two special guests uh mike shapiro who's the president of the independent league san rafael Pacifics, and front office uh san francisco giants mario aliotto it ought to be a fun show today um, Sports Econ 101 can be heard on iHeartRadio, In Radio, hundreds of stations across the country. And uh, this theme today is going to be old baseball. So we're all old baseball guys here. <laughs> and we're well, gonna... I'm old. I... Yeah, I know. I'm old, too. We're, we're going to see how much you guys know about old baseball. Mario, do you know a lot about old baseball?
2: Well, since I've been around for a while, uh, we'll see how far back we go. Yeah, yeah, exactly.
1: This is, this is
2: fun to uh, talk about.
1: Okay. Well, it'll be kind of fun because, again, it's going to be old baseball. And I've got a kind of a fun old story that uh, when I was uh, – I'll, I'll tell a little bit more later on, but, but I'll give you kind of a hint. And, and it has to do with Hannes Wagner, if you can believe that. That goes back uh, a, a little ways, doesn't you, it? You <laughs> don't look that old. Edward. I know. Wouldn't you believe it? But uh, this is actually my, uh, my Uncle Ben actually, it was actually, I think it was my mom's uncle actually used to watch him play and I met him when I was just about like 11 years old, looking through old baseball cards. It's kind of a fun, fun little story. So uh, that's our trivia theme. And uh, if you have the correct answer, you can email edward at sports econ101.com. At each commercial break, we will ask an old sports trivia question. This segment of Sports Econ 101 is sponsored by Pacific Private Money, providing mortgage investments that are currently yielding about seven and three quarters percent secured by mostly California real estate, primarily in the San Francisco Bay Area. You know the average loan-to-value is only 56%? Did not know. Not that. bad, That's huh? That's pretty good. That's right. No losses. That's the important thing. All right. Uh, it doesn't get any more conservative than that. you got to check them out at PacificPrivateMoney.com. And don't touch that dial. When we come back, we're going to get into some old baseball and some current baseball with Mike Shapiro and Mario Aliotto. Don't touch that dial. We're going to be right back.
4: Don't wait another minute to see if you may qualify for your Social Security disability benefits. Call Pinnacle Disability Group at 800 593 7491 for your free case evaluation. That's 800 593 7491. 800 593 7491. Call now. The backyard's looking great, Rob. Thanks, man. I was planning on adding a deck, too. Know any good contractors? Why don't you just ask Home Advisor?
5: Home what? homeadvisor.com. You just tell them about your project and they match you with local pros that can do the job. Nice. How much does it cost? Oh, HomeAdvisor's totally free to use. Plus, you can read customer reviews, check pricing, and book appointments for free. What's the website again? HomeAdvisor.com. Or just download the free HomeAdvisor app. HomeAdvisor.
6: Celebrate summer with vineyards, wine, food trucks, and award-winning performances at Broadway Under the Stars in Jack London State Park. Produced by Transcendence Theatre Company. Broadway Under the Stars has wowed audiences for the last six years in Sonoma Valley. Experience what USA Today named as one of the top outdoor concert venues in America you shouldn't miss. Reserve tickets now to Broadway Under the Stars and make it a romantic date, a girls' night out, or a festive family outing. You'll experience world-class wine and picnicking. While Broadway performers from shows such as Wicked, Mamma Mia, and the Book of Mormon thrill you with song and dance under the stars in Sonoma's Valley of the Moon. Don't miss this award-winning wine country tradition. Experience Broadway Under the Stars this summer in Sonoma's Jack London Park. Reserve your tickets now at bestnightever.org. That's bestnightever.org.
1: Welcome back to Sports Econ 101. Edward Brown here, along with our two special guests, Mike Shapiro and Mario Alioto. Welcome, guys, to Sports Econ 101. All right, um, so now let me start off with Mario. So you are in the Giants front office and you're responsible for uh, revenue and marketing ideas. I, I wanted to find out, you know, how do you come up with your marketing ideas? Because I know I'm laughing because I'm, I'm looking at Mike Shapiro, who is the president of the Independent League, Santa Rafael Pacifics, and he's had some really funny ideas, which we'll get into. Um, so I wanted to find out with you, Mario. How, how do you do it with I the? I do what Mike
2: does first, and I steal his ideas. <laughs> yeah. um, I mean, in in reality, uh, I always have a saying in this business that you know, winning winning helps and it makes us all look smart. But uh, we've got a very creative uh, group of folks here, and uh, you know, I, I always say we're in the yes business as opposed to the entertainment business. But our, our goal is to be creative as possible. Because if we you know we talk about baseball fans and fanatics, and if there were enough fanatics, we'd still be playing at candlestick park yeah, but really true. we're after the casual fan and and really you know everyone doesn't come to, to to enjoy what's happening between the white lines and the field, but they're looking for the whole experience so whether it's promotions or just zany ideas that's part of of coming out to the ballpark and the experience of baseball so we have a group of folks we we are always coming up with ideas and uh um, but I will say that sometimes when you win, uh, it makes the the job a little easier. That's for sure.
1: For for those who are not familiar with Candlestick Park uh, in San Francisco, more more South San Francisco, uh, just the, the way the wind was, the weather was was so bad that if I remember correctly, if there was a night game and it went into extra innings, didn't you guys like hand out a pin that said like you know I survived or something uh, along those lines?
2: ours I survived uh, yeah. the Quad of Candlestick. Quad of Candlestick. <laughs> of, the more creative promotions uh, back in the eighties. Because it's, it's for those your listeners who have been in San Francisco in the summertime, uh, this yeah. is northern California, and it gets foggy, and it's cold. And uh, uh, so it was a fun promotion that, that, uh, that, that definitely got a lot of attention at the time.
7: We sold more sweatshirts than T-shirts yeah. at Candle <laughs>
2: <laughs> true. That's still the case. I always feel bad about, about the tourists walking through San Francisco in the summertime in their yep. shorts, yep. and then with a heavy jacket that they just bought down at Fisherman's Wharf because they're just – think california you're thinking beaches but san francisco is a little bit different in the summer
1: yeah especially uh, mark twain right and that's what he said the right. cold ever spent was the summer in san francisco um i mean how how much of a difference did it make going to uh the, you know change the location to downtown san francisco i mean obviously it, it changed it but how much did it change
2: oh it really it, it really changed uh it changed everything about this, this organization and i think and it's amazing. This is our 19th season here at 18t Park. Incredible. So it's, we still call it the new ballpark. Yeah. Um but, what, but I think that the, it's, it's, to me, it's really two, two or three main issues. Number one, it's a smaller ballpark. Candlestick Park at the time held 60,000 uh, fans. This ballpark holds 41,000. So scarcity, uh, you know, and more an intimate, smaller feel uh, is really what. what yeah. just like buying a house. I and mean, you know, when, when there's less, the houses on the market, it's worth more. So. You know the whole thing about about baseball or about sports is is to, is to sell what you can before you start before you throw the first pitch. And so much of our business is based on the commitments of our fans before the season starts, so we can make decisions during during the season. So that's so that so the 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 uh, the capacity is a big issue. Being in the urban environment, you know, back in the 70s, it seemed like the trend back then was to create you know get a lot of land, create a massive multi a, a multi-sport facility and surrounded by by parking. Now it's the the neighborhood and the bars and the restaurants is, is yeah. It's part of it's it's the modern version of Wrigley Field. So that's been a big a big deal as well. And and I got to say, and Mike, you know this, you know, being in San Francisco, having right field, having water behind the right field wall in mm-hmm. McCovey Cove, it really is what makes this ballpark different than so many. It's just it's a beautiful setting, and uh, it's probably the only ballpark where the higher you go, is better to see because the view is actually. Gorgeous.
1: yeah there's hard, there aren't really any bad seats in the whole stadium
2: well there isn't and uh and you know, uh, know we have a, a very small amount of foul territory so you're really on top of the action with, you know with, with where you are and we're blessed we've got thirty thousand season tickets right now so you know the atmosphere uh, Is always buzzing in here because there's a, because you know knock on wood you know there's still a lot of interest in the team and and when you come to a it's like going to a restaurant that's empty it's not as fun as going to a restaurant with a lot of people sure and that's that's the whole feel here
1: well and obviously you know winning three titles in five years uh, <laughs> can definitely make a difference uh, hurt and, and you know I know the teams you know had new call it a temporary disappointing season so far I mean it's not you're not that far out of first but um are have you still sold out. Pretty much like
2: no we well, right now uh, our sell-out streak uh, you know there's there's pros and cons to the sellout streak and but but it was we, we right now I mean we're getting 38 39 thousand uh, which which is still a great yeah. You know, it's, it's, it's a high class problem but you know 37 38, 39 thousand this weekend uh, we've got over forty thousand sold so we'll pretty much be sold out but you know the, the issue would be the it, 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 it from a marketing standpoint it really is a it's a great thing because it it sends the message that this is the place to be. On the other hand, if you're constantly talking about sellouts, it also sends a message that I can't get in. So, yes. I mean it it it's a double edged sword. Mm. So we're we're still again with with our 30,000 seat tickets, we have a, we, we just have the, just our fan base is incredible. Um, you know, but and we're always pushing, you know, you know, for like so you said earlier about creative promotions and constantly trying to um, give fans a reason to come out here, but what's happening, and I know we'll probably get into this a little bit, but the consumer is changing and the the habits of of today's consumers changing. I mean, you know, my, I have four kids. They walk around looking at their phones. We all consume the yeah. game differently than maybe we did 30, 40 years ago. So, you know, the idea of, of making a decision three months before the game is different now than, in fact, then you had to do that if you wanted to come to the game. Now with the secondary ticket market, ticketing market, you can go on your phone at the last minute and, and buy a ticket. That's a good point. Premium. So it's really changing kind of what, what the sport looks like and, and the financial, the, just the finances and the marketing decisions that we have to make in order to be successful. Well,
1: the, the the biggest surprise for me was going to spring training this year and realizing these tickets are actually more expensive than going to a regular game. And I think it's because, well, big, yeah. go ahead.
2: That we we've heard that from a few folks, and we, you know, and we're trying to, you know, we've got to be cognizant of that because you know spring training has always been this this quaint you know yeah. a place to go and enjoy the you know the beginning you know just watching the, the players train, but it's become such a destination, and even with the yeah. hotels and the airline fares, I mean it's it is becoming a uh, something that fans want want to do. But you know, again, you're talking about a you know 7,500 seat stadium, 10,000 seats, yeah. 40,000, so there's so there's just a lot of demand. But, um, but spring training, you know, it's, it's funny. Years ago, spring training was, uh, you go there, it was like a ghost town. Now it's really, huh. it just it, it's in high demand.
1: Well, I think part of it uh, is that I really enjoy is, is when you see fans who are rooting for the other team, and yet because it's such a party atmosphere, you just have fun banter. It, it, you know, when you're in the probably the heat of a pennant race, it's a little different. But spring training is just kind of a fun party.
2: Oh, sure, the players are more relaxed in spring training, and it's it's just a great atmosphere. I mean, you're not going to see players doing their jogging and, and sprints out in left field during a game in the regular season. Yeah. So it's uh it's, it's kind of it's it's what sort of, spring training is the type of thing you go and watch three or four innings and, and you okay, let's go to the pool now. You know, yeah, exactly. It's very much laid yeah. back.
1: And I guess Mike, for the independent league, you really don't have too much of a spring training do you well we have a 10-day
7: spring training which um, i think if you if you talk to most major league players they would say you know we'd much rather have a 10-day spring training (laughs) um yeah no we do a 10-day spring training and it's um it's partly an economic factor And, and it's just the tightness of our schedule too since we're a short season minor league team
1: yeah, I can imagine just, you know, for the uh, major league players, you know, 162 games. It's uh, By the end of August, they're they're just beat, aren't they? Yeah, that's why they call them the dog days. Yeah, exactly, of summer. Okay, I'll tell you what, guys. We're going to cut to our first commercial break here. We're going to see how much you guys know about old baseball. And uh, if you know the answer, don't give it yet because we're going to uh, cut to a break. When we come back, we're going to give the answer. All right, here is the first trivia question. What team was once called the orphans? I'll tell you, they come up with all these weird names, you know, the Cleveland Spiders and Louisville Colonels and all this stuff. So what team was called the orphans? All right. Email edward at sportsecon101.com the answer to that question. I see a perplexed look on your face, Mike. <laughs> Having a clue. Like I said, we're talking old baseball here. All right. Uh, don't touch that dial. Sports Econ 101. will be right back.
8: Call now for your free face-to-face consultation. 800-813-9940. 800-813-9940. 800-813-9940.
1: Welcome back to Sports Econ 101. Edward Brown here along with Mike Shapiro and Mario Aliotto. First trivia question. What team, Major League Baseball we're talking here, was once called the Orphans? Mike shaking his head. Mario, do you know the answer to that? I have no
2: idea. That's, uh, that's, a, that's, that's a good
1: one, huh? Okay, it was actually the Chicago Cubs from 1898 to 1902. And prior to the Orphans, they were called the Chicago Colts. That one you might have known. but but Okay, so... We're over one on that one. <laughs> like I said, this one's going to be kind of hard. All right, so I had a kind of a fun little story here again, old baseball. So here I am. It's 1971. I my uh, mom's old uncle Ben. I mean, this guy was like in his 90s at the time. Comes to visit and he sees me looking through an, uh, some of my old baseball cards, which I, I the, for me the old baseball cards were the 60s, right? And then um, the uh, I, I had a book talking about like old baseball, right? So he sees me and. Yeah, this guy, he's old, he's smoking a cigar, and he's eating Limburger cheese at the same time. I mean, totally disgusting, right? And so he used to call me Eddie, and he says, hey, Eddie, you, you, I see you've got an old book there. You, you like old baseball? And I said, uh, yeah, actually I actually do. He goes, you ever heard of Hans Wagner? And I said, you mean Hannes Wagner? He goes, yeah, we, we used to call him Hans. I said, what are you talking about? He says, well, he goes, yeah, when I was young, I, I grew up in Pittsburgh. He goes. We used to watch him play, and I'm thinking, man, this guy used to watch Honus Wagner play. Isn't that amazing. Oh, pretty cool. Yeah. I mean, for me, it was Willie Mays. I was, you know, he. And of course, he's still the greatest. But uh, so, um, Mario from uh, the San Francisco Giants front office, uh, you want to share any kind of fun stories with us? You know, any, any Let's let's talk about like any like really esoteric ideas for promotions because I know Mike's had some in, uh, for the independent. No, I'll,
2: I'll, I'll tell you one promotion that we did. I, I should consider a promotion, but one of. I mean. We've done a few over the years, but I'll, I'll do two quick two quick ones. Um, but we were—I am not sure if you know this—but we were the Giants were the first team to ever do a bobblehead giveaway.
1: Really? I didn't know that. Okay. mean that
2: was—that was our last year at Candlestick Park. And huh. we were Trying to come up with some with some uh, you know retro ideas, and at the time, I still remember you know when I was a kid in the '60s, when you went to the souvenir stand, you either got a bobblehead, a pennant, maybe a pencil, and uh, and a plastic helmet. That was about yeah. it. But I still had a bobblehead at my mom's house, and it's still there, and we thought, why don't we do a bobblehead day? And we went to a vendor, talked to him about what what the idea was, and the first prototype was this little tiny stick body with a little tiny head on it, and we said, no, it's gotta be the opposite, a big, heavy, like a Bob's Big Boy type of a
1: bobblehead.
2: Well, anyway, Willie Mays was the first bobblehead that was given away here in 1999, and uh, I am still absolutely amazed that here we are in 2018, Bobbleheads are still the number one promotion around sports. I saw yeah. when I was in Italy. I saw him, you know, selling, the bobbleheads of the Pope. And I said, boy, we really made it. I, I learned, something I learned on that on that idea, uh, uh, and you know, uh, that Mike's on the on the on the call because next time we have an idea like that, we'll talk to a lawyer first because maybe I would be retired. by <laughs> Yeah, time. exactly. Um,
1: well, I remember uh, being a kid, and if I remember, we actually used to get real bats. There were uh, during right. Bat Day, and yeah, then I, I think sure. a couple things got kind of violent and they that is kind of and then also the problem with ball day was if there was some issue with the opposing team people were throwing balls out on you know in center field and uh, disturbing the game
2: well that happened here in 1993 we did a we did a, a baseball giveaway and i'm kind of a little surprised they. St- i'm still employed by the giants <laughs> because we did a we did a ball giveaway and uh, i actually one of the games i left the ballpark a little bit early and i was watching it at a restaurant on tv it was the eighth inning Umpire made a bad call, and all the baseballs were thrown on the field. And, it, and those of us who remember, who are a little older, remember when we were kids. There was a Captain Kangaroo show. Yeah. When all the ping pong balls used to used to drop from the from wherever, and that's what it looked like on TV. And, <laughs> my God. So that was the end of ball game of uh, baseball days. I, I I'd like to tell you one other thing that we sure. though, to me is the most fun I've had. Back in the you know mid two thousands when Barry Bonds was being intentionally walked all the time,
1: yeah.
2: uh, we saw two fans. Uh, you know, up by the press box. And every time he was intentionally walked, they had two rubber chickens. They just, they just swung the chickens around. Uh, well, and, they, and then we would start playing the, the chicken dance on the PA system. <laughs> so we had a meeting the next day, and I said, well, can we store some rubber, rubber chickens to see if we can create a fun promotion out of this? So uh, we did this whole thing. We found a supplier, and uh, I, I, I still remember it because it was the it was the Red Sox were here for the weekend, and the Dodgers were coming in the next you know, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. So we had a couple thousand rubber chickens that were uh, shipped to us, and during the Red Sox weekend, we took 200 a game, and we put them only with the fans behind on plate, and we told our announcers, here's what we're doing. When you get to intensity walk, they're probably going to swing these chickens, show them on TV, and make it look like fans <laughs> just brought them on their own. And, uh, and that's what they did. It worked perfectly by the time the Red Sox came on Monday. We had tables around the ballpark, and we sold thousands of them. And, uh, and, and we hung the rubber chicken on the right field wall every time he was potentially walked per game, just like they do with K's. Yeah. Strikeouts. And it was just a fun thing. <laughs> but the reason I bring that up is because, and, Mike, you know this, our, You know my mentor, Pat Gallagher, who yeah. really sure. was such a marketing guru when he ran the Giants, um, you know, he always reminded us that don't forget you're in the fun business. And yeah. this is a game. You can't take it too seriously, and the idea is people are coming out here to have fun and that's why we did it it was a lot of fun and it created the, the buzz in the ballpark and uh and uh, anyway so it's one of the things that I'm still uh, so proud about because it was a goofy idea and it worked
7: you, you know talking about the the fun business and you know we are in the in the fan experience business particularly as you go down the ladder <laughs> yeah. and and I I happen to have Climbed the ladder to the bottom rung, um, in my, in my not, not fallen, Sterling career. Yeah. Um, and as you go lower and lower, you have to give people more and more reason to come to the ballpark yeah. because yeah. you know there is there's no you know Buster Posey yeah. uh, who has a fan base and and and, and, uh, and an AT and T Park sure. uh, to attract people to come to uh, to lower level baseball and um and so we have to emphasize the idea, and I, I learned this from actually from Pat Gallagher that that a, you know go, uh, going to a baseball game is more like um, a street uh, a, 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 um, a street fair wrapped around a ball game, and that the huh. the experience of the food yeah. and the entertainment and the giveaways, um, all of that has to uh, be the reason that people. Choose to come to a ball game rather than go out to dinner or go to the movies or the bowling alley or whatever well, especially else. for a
1: family, you know, we're trying to get the young kids involved in it. Yeah,
7: yeah, no, and again, yeah. you know, at the level that 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 we're at, it's it's all about low cost family entertainment, and and you know, the family of four that uh, you know going to a major league game might cost two hundred, three hundred dollars for yeah. the night. For us, you'd be
1: really hard pressed for the
7: family of four to spend a hundred dollars.
1: Yeah good point you know it's funny when you were mentioned about uh mario about like the rubber chickens It reminded me you know the ba- or, or with throwing the baseballs out because of a bad call it reminded me there was a time when three umpires had to to converse on something and and the uh the, the pa of uh, music was playing three blind mice and i think they said no no you can't do that yeah. uh, we do that every game <laughs>
2: But you know I, I, you know, I will say with Mike and, and uh, you know, and just you know, I, I, I wouldn't call it the, the lowest rung because minor league baseball is where the real creativity is, and it really reminds us, uh, you know, that um, that it isn't just about the game. You know, again, in our case, the players and the personality of the players is a big part of who we are and what we promote to our fans, especially the kids. But you know, but you're right, Mike. When it comes to the food and how you park them, and I always say the business we are in is it's no different than being in the in the theme park business. know yeah, so yeah. Zoos have animals; we have players. But you've got to park people. You've got to have clean restrooms. You have to have you know uh, make it easy to get in and out of your facility. You've got to feed them, keep it clean. It's all it really is all the same thing, um, and there just happens to be a game that breaks out in the middle of all of, of all of
1: it. Now, now from the players' perspective, though, I mean, this is their profession. This is their livelihood. So they probably don't look at themselves as zoo animals, but uh, you know, they, they, gotta, they have to take it seriously.
2: Well, what? they do. But, yeah. but remember, as, and as we always said, you know, the, the, the actual game is the only part of the experience that we can't control. But we can't yeah. control everything else. And how we're mm-hmm. rated is how good we can control it. And, yeah. uh, and, I, and, and again, when the team plays well and we win and all, all the pieces of the puzzle seem to come together, but, uh, but really tinkering with all the other parts of that experience uh, is such a big part of what sports marketing is
7: really about. Yeah, and and at our level particularly, the the, the winning and losing of games is is, is virtually meaningless. Um, and 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 I tell folks anybody who's willing to listen um, that you know there's the parable of of the low level sports industry, uh, and that is that you want that proverbial family of four to walk out of the ballpark um, after a game and say, "God, we had a great time. Yeah. We're going to come again." Um, we're going to tell our friends about it. And by the way, who won the game?
1: Yeah. And then yeah, we've done our yeah. job. That, that, that's that good and, point.
7: And, and to build on what Mario just said, um, I think it was Andy Dolich who once oh. said, uh, who, who, you know, again, along with Pat Gallagher, yeah. um, uh, among the great uh, innovators of, of the marketing of baseball, uh, once said that, that a baseball game is like a, a, a baseball theme park. It's no different than Disneyland. Um, huh. And he's absolutely right. You know, you have to keep the place clean. Yeah, it, it nothing, nothing more than what I've learned at this level of the game. It's about taking out the garbage. You know, it's yeah. garbage management. It's yeah. keeping the restrooms clean. The you know, and and giving people a, a good time. We're we're we're, <laughs> we're kind of like hookers. You know, we want everybody to have a cheap <laughs> night out. A lot of fun. Yeah. But, but you, fun. You,
2: you, you, I think the other piece of this, and I, I think we all learned this from from Peter McGowan when he was our managing general partner in 1993 when his group bought the team because he came up at Safeway, you know, in the grocery store business, but his whole point is customer service is the most important thing. And when someone comes in with their ticket to the turnstile, you can either be, quote, a ticket taker, or you can be a greeter. Look the person in the eye, welcome them. When they leave the game, thank them for coming those little things that I think sometimes in sports we took for granted.
1: You know, that that's a good point because uh, i got to say that when we go to the Giants games, uh, everybody we meet there, you know, who works right there at the ticket place, they're, you're right, they're very, very friendly. Happens at the Warriors, too, which is really good. Hey, tell you what, do we cut to another commercial break here. All right, who led the famous 1927 Yankees in hits that year? Okay, that's our trivia question. Email edward at sportsecon101.com. When we come back, we're going to have some more comments about baseball and uh, we got Mike Shapiro from the Independent League San Rafael Pacifics and Mario Alioto from the not Independent League San Francisco Giants <laughs>
6: celebrate summer with vineyards, wine, food trucks, and award-winning performances at Broadway Under the Stars in Jack London State Park. Produced by Transcendence Theatre Company. Broadway Under the Stars has wowed audiences for the last six years in Sonoma Valley. Experience what USA Today named as one of the top outdoor concert venues in America you shouldn't miss. Reserve tickets now to Broadway Under the Stars and make it a romantic date, a girls' night out, or a festive family outing. You'll experience world-class wine and picnicking, while Broadway performers from shows such as Wicked, Mamma Mia, and the Book of Mormon thrill you with song and dance. Under the Stars in Sonoma's Valley of the Moon. Don't miss this award-winning wine country tradition. Experience Broadway Under the Stars this summer in Sonoma's Jack London Park. Reserve your tickets now at bestnightever.org. That's bestnightever.org.
1: I can get you a guaranteed policy where the low premiums are fixed anywhere from 10 to 35 years. So email edward at sportsecon101.com right now for your free life insurance quote. That's edward at sportsecon101.com. Welcome back to Sports Econ 101. One more time, I'm Edward Brown, your host, along with Mike Shapiro and Mario Aliotto. And our second trivia question was, who led the famous 1927 Yankees in hits? I'm guessing Tony Lazzari. and uh, you would be wrong. I'm of sorry. Course I would <laughs> Absolutely, of course. You know what? I, I gotta I gotta give you a hint on this one, and the hint is I've never heard of this guy, but he had 231 hits, which is pretty good. A guy named Earl Combs. I, have you ever heard of Earl Combs? Yeah. Okay, okay, there you got me on that one. Yeah, that, that, we'll give you a point for that because you've heard him and I haven't. Well, I'm old and a Yankee fan, <laughs> but not that old. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so, Mario, I want to ask you a quick question here. Um, the A's ballpark is, what, 50, 10, 15? Miles away, or something? I mean, how many? How far away is it from? Uh,
2: well, 18 miles over the water, but uh, yeah, it's you know 15 miles away over the bridge okay. over in Oakland.
1: But but they don't get nearly the same amount of fans. And the weather in Oakland is fine. For those who don't know, uh, you know the, the weather's great in Oakland generally. Um, their ballpark isn't as pretty, and it's not really a destination. I mean, I mean, it's got to be just a destination because you know versus um, the Giants where they play. Literally, you could walk to the park if you're downtown. So, yeah, is you know, I,
2: I, it's hard for me to comment on their strategy and how they, and, and just because I know, uh, you know, it's, it's uh, in this business, one day you're the hammer, the next day you're the nail. And so I know what it's like to, to work and to try to sell a facility that is that in itself is not part of the attraction. So, you know, it's not easy, although they're playing really well this year, and, yeah. and uh, you know, things do happen. I will say, I think, you know, if we look back at the Giants story, you know, the, the new ballpark and, you you know where it's such a big part of, of of your brand, really. And of course, you know the the, the, uh, the World Series it, it didn't hurt, but the ballpark is such a big part of, of of what this business is all about, especially today in the competitive environment. So, you know, uh, uh, you know, I, I'm not going to comment on, on the A's because I just don't know enough about it, just how they approach it. But I will say it's uh, you know when I see their games or think about what they're doing, it reminds me so much of of how we had to try to market candlestick park it's 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 tough and uh sometimes winning will solve it, but you know as but as we always say here you know we we've got a we got a business to run whether we're winning or losing and uh and having a ballpark like we do in this city in this environment with great fan support um it, it just it, it just makes the equation a lot easier to get
7: to. I mean, I think I'm more at liberty to talk about the A's than, <laughs> than perhaps yeah. Mario. And and for, as an observer, because I'm 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 not at the big league level any longer. Um, I it, it, there's a, there's a vast disparity uh, between how the A's market their team, as, especially considering the fact that they have a less than attractive ballpark. Yeah. Um, and and again, the approach that they took. For, for years and years. I and, mean, again, Mario's absolutely right. It's very similar to what we experienced uh, uh, with the Giants um, about wanting to leave, you know, wanting oh, to leave, yeah. Yeah. wanting to leave the, the ballpark, wanting to potentially leave the city um mm-hmm. Courting other suitors doesn't generally sit well with with the fan base. Also, and,
1: they kept trading players too. That, that yeah, no. I either. mean, I
7: think that the the uh, the whole Moneyball um, mm. Billy Bean approach to wh- while the statistical analysis element of all of it is intriguing and it is now in in common practice, the whole attitude about we're poor, we don't have enough fans, we have a, a terrible ballpark. Um, this is not a, a, a you know a a first class stellar city. Um, we have to constantly um, uh, play the, uh, the the small market card. Mm. Um, I think does not resonate with the fan base. It does. It certainly doesn't um, help you expand your fan base. And as Mario well knows, the business that we're in is it's it's uh, retain and gain. You want to retain the fan base that you have and gain. New fans yeah. uh, constantly fighting that battle. Well,
1: also from for us people on this side of the bay, it's so much harder to get to the A's ballpark in a in a, a reasonable time frame compared to uh, maybe taking a nice ferry over to San Francisco.
7: Well, there's that, but you know, you could make the counter argument that it's actually kind of easy to get to the Oakland Coliseum if you wanted to go, but it's not a destination spot because it's easy. You you hop on BART. Now, from Marin County, obviously. Yeah, I'm afraid that's not that's not so our, our site. But, yeah. but 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 yeah. if you're in the city or in other parts of the Bay Area, it, it is it's, ac- easy. it's right yeah. on a you're BART right. line. Yeah. Um and and again, you know, without disparaging ownership or or management there uh, too much, um, I, I think that they have suffered from their own um, uh, their own self-created uh, bad publicity.
1: Yeah. So, Mario, from your standpoint, um, you know, it's I was just thinking about this, that, you know, your job, I wouldn't think necessarily would be in jeopardy, per se, about whether the team loses or wins. You know, that's that's more of like a general manager, you know, people who are picking the players. You know, y- your your job seems to be primarily just, you know, the marketing of it, right? And it- well,
2: Yeah, that's true. Because I, don't really don't get, I, don't, I don't get involved in the actual player acquisitions and those types of decisions. However, uh, but the amount of revenue we bring in and what our projections are for, for a particular season may get determined by the time uh, the, the, uh, the trade deadline comes up in July. We will look at numbers and see how we're doing, you know, how are our results based of, you know, compared to what our budget was so those types of things but mm. but you're right i mean what my job is is to is to really create the buzz uh in this ballpark that this is where people want to spend their time and um you know and whether it's ticketing or or the sponsorship areas or the retail areas or the merchandise you know it's really trying to build the brand of of what giants baseball is all about um you know i, I somebody once told me that a brand is built by not by what you say about it but by how it behaves and you know we've tried to make the right decisions over the years so that our fans would be here, win or lose. Um, and you know, but I, but I but I think there's a changing environment uh, just uh, just around sports t- today. And as I mentioned earlier, uh, you know, on the, during the interview, that you know the way our fans the way fans consume sports is so much different now. Uh, however, live sports is still. I mean, look at where radio's going, or where you know, just just it's the live action that is still something that, pe- that, that people want to consume, the question is how do you want to consume it? Do you want to consume mm. it on your phone or do you want to come out here to the ballpark, in our case, and watch, and watch it in person? It's, it's something we constantly grapple with because the world is changing quickly. And I will say here in the Bay Area with all the technology companies, a lot of the changes are starting here. I feel like we're right. I, we're in ground zero as to where yeah. the world's changing. But we, we're trying to look ahead 5, 10, mm. 20 years as to what you know, what what's the future of our business and and how fans want to consume it, so we're prepared for it because we can't sit here and assume that what worked in 1968 is going to work in twi- yeah. 2020.
7: Well, so, and, um, and the demographic changes that go along with those technological changes are, are, are actually fascinating, but they have an incredible impact on the future of this business because millennials, if you take them
6: yeah.
7: as, as a, a as a demographic characteristic, um, are are not at least at this point, showing inclination to attend live games. Yeah. Um, they're more tied to the small screen on their cell phones or to, you know, whether it's AR or VR or all the new technologies. Um, and, and what we've seen um, throughout minor league baseball, at least, is that um, it's harder and harder to draw the millennials to come to live events.
1: And we have to do a much better job of giving them a reason to come. Yeah, I was going to say that, like, you know, i give you an example on the basketball side. So the Warriors, first of all, it's very expensive to go to a game. But I, I personally like sitting at home, watching it in the comfort of my home. And again, I'm, you know, I'm almost 60 years old, too. That may probably makes a difference, where I can sit at home and then I can pause a game. And the technology is so good with cameras and all that that... If you go to a game, a real uh, you know live game, you, you actually miss a lot of that. The, the thing that you do get is obviously the excitement with the other other fans. Well, and again, again, the the whole idea of staying at home versus going to a live event
7: it is made tougher for you know the ballpark operators, yeah. the team operators like us, who have to give people a reason to get off their couch, yeah. and and that's why you know the wacky promotions or the reasons to the good food or whatever those reasons are that we can. Convey to the fan base um, are are the are the um, only things that we can rely upon at this point. Well, although, as Mario says, we're in the capital of, of, of the, all the new changes in technology, uh, and and the Giants are, are probably the best of sure. anyone at staying on top of that and figuring out how to leverage the the new technology to attract new
1: fans. Well, and
2: what, what I think that's interesting about that is when you talk about games on television, um, in our case. That's why the broadcast of a of, of, of a sporting event is so critical as far as showing to the to the viewing audience how fun it is at the ballpark and and oh, yeah, you know point. with our announcers with Mike Kruko and Dwayne Kuyper yeah. and our in our uh, directors we're constantly showing fans in the stands with their crazy hats on because it's so much more than what's happening just down the field. That's a very good point. It's, it's a big part of, of, of what we need to do. You know the other point Ed uh, you made about about millennials or uh, maybe Mike you made it but but. Yeah. You're right. Millennials are looking for something different. However, there is a social aspect to what they are looking for. You know, millennials are not going to sit here for nine innings and watch a game for three and a half hours, but they may come in for three or four innings and uh, and hang out at a bar uh, where you can see the field. But it's really more the social setting of saying, yeah. "I'm I'm I'm here. I was there last night, but I'm not necessarily watching every single pitch of the uh, pitch of the game." And and that's part of what we're trying to do is is segment our audiences out because everyone's looking for something different. And, and we have a small footprint where our ballpark is you know, here, here on 3rd and King Street. But a lot of ballparks now are having these big areas out in the outfield where it's a big bar. It's, it's a social scene. You hang out there, yeah. but you're not really watching the game. You just happen to – it's a bar that's moved from downtown into the ballpark. And that's what millennials are looking for is that social activity that uh, – but we're all trying to figure out this new market.
1: That's for sure. Wow. No, that's, a, that's a really good point. Cause uh, I, I, when I've gone to giants games, uh, you know, if I certain tickets I've had, been kind of amazing is the places you can go and really enjoy yourself.
7: Well, and, yeah. and, and just, just building on what Mario was just talking about. we, we, we decided that we would try to figure out a way to bring millennials into our ball. We, we don't get hardly any millennials at all. And so on Father's Day this year, we decided we would give away free paternity tests for in case in case there were any people who were not sure if they were fathers or not. And so we were trying to hit the millennials that way.
1: Did, did it work? No. <laughs> Oh, they still didn't come. I don't know if they even understand what a paternity suit is. <laughs> Not suit, but... Yeah. Uh, Mike, why don't you share a couple of, uh, before we cut to our break, uh, just a couple of quick, absolutely wacky ideas you guys have had. Well, you know, the, on
7: the wacky-o-meter, uh, uh, you know, it's always <laughs> hard to tell what's going to resonate with whom. But, uh, you know, we've done it all that, that all the minor league clubs have, sort of have to do the same thing. I mean, we, we've we given away a free funeral um, in the past. <laughs> um uh, and 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 oddly enough, um, the guy who who won it, he had to write his own obituary, and then the Marin IJ obituary writer judged uh, okay. the, the obituaries. And and oddly enough, the guy uh, who got the big you know oversized gift certificate for his free funeral whispered in my ear. He said, I can, "My family and I can't thank you enough. You know, I'm dying."
1: Oh my gosh!
7: <laughs> yeah, I go, oh my God! We did great here. We did a good thing.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Okay, uh, on that note, uh, I think we'll cut to our last commercial break. But, hey, Mario, first of all, I want to thank you very much for uh, joining us here. Uh, Mike's in the studio, but Mario, uh, we called you, and uh, uh, I know you're working hard. And uh, we just want to thank you very much for joining us on Sports Econ 101.
2: Well, thank you. Have all a right. great day, and uh, let's hope for a very exciting end of the season. That would
1: be awesome. Thank you. Okay. All right. Bye-bye. All right. I figured I, I just asked this last question between the okay. two of us here. Okay. <laughs> Because it's kind of, again, it's, this is a hard one here. Who is the only player in the Hall of Fame to homer off of Babe Ruth? A lot of people, uh, again, for those millennials out there don't know, Babe Ruth was actually a pitcher uh, with the Red Sox. And then, uh, was he a pitcher with
7: the Yankees? No, Red Sox. Yeah,
1: was, by the time was the he got Sox. to the Yankees, he was just an outfielder. Yeah. Okay. So uh, who is the, here's our question again. Who is the only player who's in the Hall of Fame To Homer off of Babe Ruth Alright, that's our trivia question Don't touch that dial Sports Econ 101, we'll be right back with some closing comments
3: 1-800-316-1738. 1-800-316-1738.
8: Call the CESI Debt Helpline right now for a free confidential debt review. 800-957-6063.
1: 800-957-6063. Welcome back to Sports Econ 101. Edward Brown here along with Mike Shapiro. We had to let Mario go because he's busy running the, helping run the advertising for the uh, Giants. Okay, here was our last trivia question. Who is the only player in the Hall of Fame to Homer off of Babe Ruth?
7: <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah I guessed high Ka, but uh, I'm, no, I'm
1: assuming not. No, a guy named Sam Rice. And I'm trying to remember, who was Sam Rice? Oh. Apparently, he's in the Hall of Fame, so he must have been somebody. And again, we're talking probably 1914 to 1917? No, he was traded to the Yankees, <laughs> I think, 18.
7: in 23 or something, so... He was with the Red, Red Sox. Sox for nine years, yeah, something like that, I, or maybe you know twenty one, something like no, that. Oh yeah, yeah, but early twenties because yeah. if you'll recall, Yankee Stadium was was built, built in, in twenty three, and it was yeah, known as the right. house that Ruth built. Yeah, yeah so. the
1: house that Ruth built. All right, yeah, you know, I am so, sorry that uh, Mario couldn't stay with us uh, for for my thoughts for the day because these are kind of funny here. The great Satchel Page, we all know Satch, said, "I never threw an illegal pitch. The problem is." Once in a while, I toss one that ain't never been seen by this generation. That's great. I love that guy. Uh, and Dave Barry, he's a funny guy. He said, if a woman has to choose between catching a fly ball and saving an infant's life, she will choose to save the infant's life without even considering if there's a man on base. <laughs> Incredible. I, I, don't, I don't understand that. Um, <laughs> well, Mike Shapiro, thank you very much for joining us yet again on Sports Econ 101. We'll uh, have to have you on again and, and see. Uh, you guys are actually doing pretty well this year, aren't you?
7: We're having a great season actually so far. We we just got finished uh, with a thirteen game winning streak, and then have started a new winning streak on top of that, and we're in first place by five games. So. Wow. Having a great season so far. I hope folks will, will come out and see us.
1: Well, and also, you know, the uh, San Rafael uh, Albert Park is, a, is a, a very nice park. I've been to at least one other one in the independent league, and it was a far cry from oh, as good as what it's, you have. It's
7: a, it's a gem. It's one of those uh, 1940s-era bandbox yeah. grandstands, and it's just so delightful. Great.
1: All right. Tune in next week to Sports Econ 101. Bruce will be with us then. Uh, we'll be discussing sports topics from a business perspective and asking more sports trivia questions. Thanks for listening. On behalf of our team, I'm uh, your host, Edward Brown. We'll see you next week. So long.